since it is the end of the year, is the Aviation Reader's Choice Awards uh, for 20, best of 2023. Right now, we are accepting nominations. We have a little survey thing that you could fill out and say what your best project, the best AV over IP solution, even your best AV professional of the year for 2023. Matt, you're not allowed in the thing because last time you tried to usurp the throne, will be it released. was me. It well, was it was not you. It was a write-in. I won. No, no, I wrote it in. Shameful. Expected. <laughs> I've got to win this one. I bribed everyone in Hollywood. On this episode of Resi Week, we talk free D-Tools, ISC 2024, and who has the ball. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. This is Resi Week, episode 410, not particularly achievable. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week, your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for Aviation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Peter Aylett. He's a partner at Officina Acoustica, which I think I got sort of accurate in my Canadian Italiano. How do we do? Close enough, Matt. Close, Close enough. enough. Close enough. I need my Italian wife down here to, to do it for me. That, that'd get it over. Then we have uh, Mitchell, Mitchell Tulin. He's our producer here at AV Nation. How you doing, Mitch? Can't even get my name right. Dude, it's, it's a just, day. It's okay, because I am supposed to be here for Rachel Bradshaw, who uh, had to bow out, and we hope that everything is going all right with her. Because otherwise, I'm not sure why I'm here. It's usually the <laughs> question that I have. But I am glad to be here and happy to uh see what's going on at the residential space always appreciate you filling in we're going to kick this off with a story that comes to us from residential tech today d tools cloud software is now available at no cost uh they are now offering a solo plan for free uh use of that platform for a single unit user to manage their sales pipeline, estimate jobs, uh, leveraging DTools project library, as long as, as well as dealer specific pricing for proposals, signing contracts, change orders, POs, invoices, collect payments, the whole kit in Caboodle is available. Uh, now again, uh, for free as a cloud solo user, which is a fairly big deal. Peter, let me, let me start with you on this. This is probably the first major platform to be available for free. Uh, I know Portal had a free tier for a while uh, and that kind of disappeared after a little bit. Um, but DTools has been the de facto standard for our industry for a long time. What does it mean for the industry to see this now available uh, at, at no cost for integrators? I mean, it can only be positive for everyone can't it for, for details it means people get to install it use it trial it see what it's all about happy days mm -hmm. and for integrators if you're a little one-man band then um it might be all you need and with little one-man bands it's all about keeping costs down keeping your gross profit as high as you can and and making some money for a bigger company and my experience of details is details really comes into its own when it is networked it is shared that mm -hmm. the whole project team has access to it and then details will will charge for multi-seat licenses so yeah I'm, I'm sure it's positive all around yeah that's fantastic mitch one of the things that i thought was really cool about this is in addition to obviously making their their cloud solo aspect free they're also gifting a full additional free license 
of cloud to any of their existing customers. So if you're an existing DTools customer and you pay for three seats, they're going to give you that fourth seat uh, for for free. <clears throat> what does this mean to the growth and the the, the future of DTools by adding, hopefully, and expanding, obviously, their dealer base, um, which will, again, help their analytics go further? Uh, I... I think it's a great move because it's just going to add to their life uh, for potential. You know, you've got first, first off, I do want to say we had Jason not on mm -hmm. last week. Um, he is from D tools and I don't think we got a peep from him out of there. So honestly kind of rude, Jason, this is a really cool thing for, for people to use. And he's, and sometimes his reports and things about the detail or the info that he gets um, from not just, one integrator but all of them to see kind of how it goes how the whole industry is um looking is really important and i think having that kind of um metrics and data to give to someone or to for a customer to see here's where things are here's what looks good here's what um works is really important so i do think that uh extra little thing is um it's great. I, I think the other thing, when when you look at software like Dtools, um, it's got a huge amount of inertia behind it. That it's it's quite time in set, intensive, setting the system up, integrating it into your business. So once you've integrated a platform like that into your business, it's unlikely you're going to want to change it after mm -hmm. a year. So I, you know, I I think it has to be a great move for Dtools. The more people they can get using it as a backbone to their company. And then as the company grows, they can add seats and they, they make money from that. I sometimes talk about the likes of Crestron Control Force Avant being glue products. Mm -hmm. they're, they're the products that glue everything else together. And again, I think those are quite high inertia products, high inertia brands for companies, because the best one is the one that you know the best. You know, it, it's yeah. a silly conversation saying which one's best because they're all great they all have their pluses they have their minuses but what i think is an absolute is that one you know best that you understand deeply its pitfalls how to make it work that's the best one and i think the same is the case when it comes to project management quoting that kind of software for a company that once you've got it embedded into your company it's unlikely a company is going to change that for a different one yeah, that's a really good point. Once you once you lock in and you know how to do something, that that transition away from that into something new is very difficult to achieve, and and most companies don't. This is Aaron Marmoran of EdTech. The world of higher ed AV is growing rapidly. That's why each month we hear from the best and brightest from colleges and universities all over the U.S. Check out EdTech on avnation.tv or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right, let's change topics to us to another uh, topic that comes to us from avnation.tv. <clears throat> the countdown to ISE 2024 is on. Barcelona hosts an unprecedented AV extravaganza with a record-breaking show floor, uh, meaning that that show floor is expanding again. Uh, go read through the article. It covers uh, some of the great things going on, including the fact that there's going to be over 1,300 exhibitors with 80 companies making their debut at ISC 2024, over 700 square meters in the drone area, uh, an ISC audio museum, the America's Cup Team New Zealand Land Yacht is going to be in the show floor. There's a bunch of really, really cool things going on with this one. 
Mitchell, leading up to this, I know you've been doing a little bit of work on the back end from our side. Um, what do you expect to see coming out of ISE? I expect as as this thing as said more, which was is crazy to think of. We I actually did show up at ISE last year, um, and it was already pretty crazy how big it became. It was big enough that the King of Spain actually showed up and walked around for a little bit. Um, so it is funny to say that they're just here is more because it is, I mean, that's half the reason that they jumped over from Amsterdam to Barcelona as sad as I was to see, uh, to not see Amsterdam anymore. Barcelona's space is huge and it was already packed. So, um, we are seeing a lot more, of uh, just from, from the people that we've been previewing, um, as part of our road to ISE, which is not going to be ready yet, but come January, it's coming. You will have that. It's coming soon. Um, it looks like people are ready. It's no, it's no longer the question. We've always had the question. Oh, are we back? Mm -hmm. It is. Yes, we are back. And holy cow, it is, uh, it is amazing, uh, booming. And ISE is that weird middle ground between the residential and the commercial space not a residential but literally oh just... no you've said the words you've right. said the word residential please We're not talk about it because it's not that it's just all of it it is it is the big show infocom has a little bit of the yeah we have residential stuff yeah we have commercial stuff but i don't know ISE is such a huge international um conference that I think a growth like this um, is only means that we're just bigger than ever. I, I think we're a weird industry when we talk about residential and commercial, because yeah. let's let's say you're you're an architect, you're a builder, you're a construction company. There is no such thing as residential concrete and commercial concrete. There's just concrete. There's no such thing as residential drywall and commercial drywall. There's just drywall. There's no such thing as residential. I could go on. I could go on. I and could the, pick the, like, a whole. Hold on. I could pick a hole in both of those arguments. <laughs> there totally uh, is commercial uh, drywall. <laughs> There's commercial MDF. There's commercial. <laughs> yeah, but you'd you'd there's not there's not the distinction that one you no. use in a home and one you use in an office. You know, some you might buy down your local consumer shop. It's it's priced ten times as much as what you'd buy at wholesale bulk. Yeah. But when I when I, when I look at a show like ISE, all all I see are, are tools to do my job. All of, all of the technology. It's it's simply technology to allow me to deliver what I want for my for my clients. And when when you look at residential, often the thing that separates commercial and residential for me is that the specs of a commercial product are written by engineers. The specs of a residential product are written by marketing departments. Um, a loudspeaker is a loudspeaker. Commercial speakers tend to look a bit shonky, but they have specs. Residential speakers have nice wood veneer and they don't have specs. And to me, to me the joy of ISE is to to kind of forget about the residential commercial boundary line and to go out there and dig deep into stuff that you never knew existed it, it yes it comes from a different world but it's it's just it's just the bricks and the concrete and the drywall that we use to build the systems we do for our customers so my, my advice to someone going to ISE, especially for the first time 
is sure, you know, spend an hour with your friends in a residential section, but make sure you you actually book time and explore and go deep into all the other areas that you never knew existed. And I almost guarantee you will find some absolute product gems that not only might be the spark for a completely different direction to take your business, but actually might solve a problem that you either never knew you had or a problem that you've been fighting for for years to try and solve. So yeah, I you know I, I I just don't think it's useful to talk about this residential commercial divided I see because to me the joy of the whole place is the fact that you've got exposure to both and you just see a whole world of opportunity. And I I would second that part about um going to see the because it's fun to go to the big guys and see here's their next big box. It's a cool, but you go down with the kind of the other alleyways of just like here's a group of four guys who made this weird thing and you're like oh this this screen does this certain thing or it's how you get like would just add power with their warp engine it's just like you could tilt this screen whatever angle you want i i personally can't find a use for that because my brain would just say why can't you just make it work uh but a crazy one would be you know it's it's fun to just see the the weird stuff that you can get into uh and av is a place to find weird stuff that is true peter let me let me ask you this they're forecasting this to be the largest attendance ever. Um, I believe top of my head, the last uh, one of the last years in Amsterdam topped uh, around 80,000. The pushback I keep hearing to that uh, is that Barcelona is a challenge to get to from, to be honest, most major cities that aren't, uh, in in Europe, um, is, is that a drawback for for the international visitors? It, it the the show being moved to Barcelona just strictly due to the travel. I'm I mean. If you're flying exactly as you say, Matt, from a major European city, you can get a direct flight. Mm -hmm. If you're flying from outside Europe, it's possible, but maybe unlikely. So it it adds another three hours connection and and flight time each way for your travel so yeah you're you're taking up an extra six hours of your life but i think in the in the context of the most important av show um you know not necessarily when we're talking pure 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 residential i think cedar expo is a very 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 different show to isc and it's an apples to oranges comparison right. you're not comparing the same thing but, you know, to, to me, if, if you want to understand the industry, if you want to understand other industries, if you want to go deep down a rabbit hole to, to find extraordinarily new things, then, yeah, I think that extra six hours is an investment. And when it when it comes down to it, I used to love Amsterdam. I, mm -hmm. I got I, I attended there, what, seven, 16, 17 years straight. I always stayed at the same place. I always drank at the same bar. I was very comfortable there. But. We outgrew, ISC outgrew it. There, there were tents in the car park, for crying out loud. At, at least in Barcelona, it's a proper venue that's nice and linear and easy to navigate with, with room to expand. So I, I know there's been a lot of talk, oh, I wish we'd stayed in Amsterdam. But the, mood, the move had to happen. And Barcelona is, hands down, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. So, you know, it's not, it's not all bad. It's a beautiful city to see while you're walking to the convention and back to the hotel. I definitely don't miss the, uh, you know, going to Amsterdam in February. You live in Florida, Mitch. I, I live in the Midwest. We get all four seasons, but I still do not. 
I have a heating pad and a heating blanket and a, and a, and a, my own heater running. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I once I once said to a Dutchman in a bar, yeah, the, the the weather's not great here, is it? And he just looked at me with that very straight kind of Dutch way and he said, no one comes to Amsterdam for the weather. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> See, Amsterdam weather never really bothered me. It just... It was kind of like home, just not enough snow. Yeah. All right, let's wrap this up with the last story of the day. This comes to us from Residential Systems and a good friend of the show, Mr. Henry Clifford, who has the ball. Uh, go read through the article. Uh, he, in it, Henry outlines a uh, a disagreement, we'll say, that he was having uh, in a leadership meeting for his company between himself and one of their project managers about when that project manager was handing off that project to the next, uh, you know, manager in line who was taking over the next phase of that project's life cycle. And, you know, when that responsibility ceased to be uh, his. So it, it's a really good story as, as Henry's always are, uh, but specifically discussing, as I said, you know, managing ownership of a project over its life cycle. Peter, when you're going through the life cycle of any project, big or small, right? It may touch two people uh, who have control over it. There may be 10. Obviously, it's going to vary as as the, the scope and, and scale changes and evolves, uh, but also due to the size of your team and how many people you have internally. How do you go about devising a system, creating a, you know, a, a program to where you can take that, that lead that comes in and, and run it all the way through completion, making sure that there's a, a smooth ownership transition through all those different departments and those different managers. This is a really, really, really deep conversation. I, th I think I've got two thoughts on it. The first thing is that, um, I used to work in a very, very large company. We had we had 150 people over five countries. And it was an issue because what we found was that the, the salespeople were doing everything they can to make a sale. Mm -hmm. But some of the things they were promising is, how, how should I put it, not, not particularly easily achievable in the real world. They were then handing the project over to a project manager and the, the project manager then had to take the pain of implementing what that salesperson promised. So what, what we did is we, we kind of, the, the salesperson effectively then became a complete project lifecycle customer manager. So the project manager was responsible for managing the project. The salesman or whatever you want to call them is responsible for managing the client through the entire project lifecycle and even beyond, beyond to the point that a year passed when the system's finished, they schedule a visit to see how everything's going on, to talk about new media, to talk about potential upgrades. Um, so I, th I think it is absolutely critical that, that that person that initially sold the system, described the system functionality, made promises to the customer about what was gonna happen, is involved throughout the whole thing because there are nuances in conversations that happen that you can't write down a, mm -hmm. a, a handover from a customer from a project manager to a pro sorry rewind a handover from a salesperson to a project manager in written form can never ever 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 
capture all the nuance of a, a customer discovery. So I think it's essential that salespeople are involved through the whole project lifecycle. They're aware of what's happening. They have regular site visits just to make sure that the vision of what they agreed with the customer is actually getting implemented on site. And it gives them the opportunity to catch just little nuanced things that are going wrong that um, if you catch them during a build, they're easy to fix. If those things just get left until handover, and as you're handing it over to the customer, the customer says, but that's not what you promised me. By that time, it it's a problem. So I'd, I don't think the salesperson should ever lose responsibility for delivery of the project to the client. It's the project manager's job to manage the project it's the salesperson's manage job to manage the customer. Yeah, that's a really good point. Mitch, how much of this just comes down to clearly defined responsibilities and proper communication? Um, everything. <laughs> I, I mean, that's kind of, like, I don't want to be too weavish here, but that's kind of the whole point of something like a Gundam. That's uh, uh, open communication and understanding is the fixed will fix everything and surely that'll just happen right yeah everything is understandable in a project you there's no confusion or unknown quantities there's never any over promises and under uh under delivery ever be but i mean on the delivery part that's what integrators are trying to do even even regardless if the even if the sales team is saying we can you know give you the moon and then some we still the integrators still go okay well, how do we make that close to happen um, or at least as much as we can get? Um, and I think that it's, it's important. <laughs> I've kind of lost my train of thought here. I was trying to find a, a spot that was more about handing off a project where um, our great uncle Richie uh, said, you do, I believe he said, you don't want to be the second person yeah. <laughs> uh, in a project <laughs> because you are handling whatever the first guys did and you're going to be blamed for everything uh subsequently yeah um and that handoff here kind of reminds me of uh this this um exchange here where the sales team will say here's the things and when it comes to the guys who are actually doing the project to make it happen then they say hey what but that's not this and that's not that and it's kind of what can you do? <laughs> I mean, tur turkeys don't vote for Christmas over here and Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving over there. And I don't think that salespeople are going to vote for being involved in a project throughout the whole life cycle because it is no. exactly as Mitch said. It's very easy for a salesperson just to hand over to a project manager, move on to the next sale. But I, I deeply believe that if the salesperson has some elements of, of customer management throughout the whole project lifecycle and a bit of an overview of what's going on the project, that you'll end up with more successful projects and really, really critically happier customers that have their expectations managed. Peter, is there a way to corral, for, for lack of a better term, salespeople into selling achievable results? The way the way we ended up doing it is um, it it's almost inevitable in our industry that salespeople have some kind of financial incentive to sell. Yeah. So what we did is we we still kept that financial incentive, but we reduced it, 
and the rest of their financial incentive was based on overall project profitability. So quite often salespeople are incentivized on the, the amount of money that they sell the system for mm -hmm. and not necessarily a combination of customer satisfaction and um, net profits on that project. And by incentivizing them on both customer satisfaction and the overall end net profits of the project, they tend to be more integrated with the project team because they want to maximize the A, customer satisfaction, and B, net profit, which is a way of them making more money. And it keeps it keeps them clo much closer connected with the project team because they don't want things to be re-engineered because that costs money. Mm -hmm. They don't want things to be misspecified because that costs money. And they don't want peeved off customers because ultimately that will delay project completion and cost them money. So there's, there, there's many ways I think you could incentivize salespeople to keep connected with a project. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap it up and leave it there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Peter, if people want to connect with you, learn more about, um, I'm going to butcher this name again. <laughs> I'll let you say it. The email address is peter at officinaacoustica.com. So it's O-F-F-I-C-I-N-A-A-C-U-S-T-I-C-A.com. Um, but if you just Google me, then send me a message on any one of the multiple platforms, it'll probably get to me. Yeah, you're pretty easy to find. Uh, Mitchell, thank you for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about AV Nation, where can they do that? Yes, do not connect with me. Instead, go to avnation.tv. Uh, we've got a brand new, uh, nice looking site. And what we also have, um, since it is the end of the year, is the AV Nation Reader's Choice Awards uh, for 20 best of 2023 right now we're accepting uh nominations so we have a little survey thing that you can fill out and say who is your favorite uh what your best project the best av over i uh av over ip solution even your best av professional of the year for 2023 matt you're not allowed in the thing because last time you tried to usurp the throne you took over the awards to try oh, and nominate yourself maybe. shameful expected <laughs> check that out also while you're on the site check out our wonderful uh underwriters this are the guys that get us to give you shows like this like state of control steve greenblatt uh all that and more at avnation.tv that was a great pitch i almost don't need to do mine uh thank you again for joining us if you'd like to connect with me you can find me on uh twitter or x at matt d scott and most of those social platforms but more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.